Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. G'day Australia, Glenn James here. Welcome to My Millennial Money. You're joined by... John Pigeon. And this is actually the first episode of our new format for 2021, John. Is it really? It is. Wow. Now, what we're doing this year, we're doing it a little bit differently. So, last week, the first episode of the year with Rowan about you know making your 2021 reimagined and just being intentional and all that. That was really good, wasn't it? That awesome. Direction and... Well, the two Ds. Direction and determination. That's that's the two Ds. So, yes. great episode that. So, ordinarily what we're doing this year, John, is the Tuesday show which you're listening to now, we're basically just answering people's questions just to really mix up the topics mm. and we'll try and bring this show on a Tuesday down to like 35 minutes. Sounds and good. then on Thursdays, that's going to be our long form type of interviews or subject matter. So, if we want to do an episode about first home buying or whatever, just on that topic, we'll go narrow and deep on the Thursday. So, and it could be a bit longer as well. Yeah. Narrow, deep and long. They get to listen to not just us two. Exactly. Mm. So, love that. Now, one thing we did launch last week, it is a new year. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'm holding the My Money Journal. And this thing, it's so amazing. It's such good quality. And it's a way for you to support the podcast. And by that, with your money. Okay. So, if you do want to support the podcast with your money and also get a really good quality tool that you can work through. And really, it's the start of the year is a good time to map out and if you're still on holidays, to really map out what goals you want for the year, what direction you want to take, uh, all that stuff. And this journal, it's not designed to be templated like my goals journal because we're not competing with, you know, if you want to journal with dates and go bloody buy one, like yeah. we can't help you there. But this journal here, what it does is it allows you, it's not really date specific, although it does have some you know, there's, I think, four pages that are the 144 mm. at the back that have some basic templates, but it's designed to ask you questions and you write down the answers to get out of your mind. Because when you've done clarity calls with people, John, sometimes they know what they've got to do, but you, a third party, getting those thoughts, getting the all that stuff out of someone's mind out yeah. into the ether, that can give real clarity. Yeah, and it's very easy at this time of year to go and get the 2021 diary and uh, and, and set your year out that way. This is more of a tool which I quite like where you can continue to refer back to and, and add little blurbs in as you need to. Yeah, that's right. So halfway through it, there's a page called a quick money health check tick the below areas of your money that are working well. So, you've built or you're building an emergency fund that might be working well. You've paid off debt or you're paying off your debt. Your savings are growing. You've built your foundations up and we detail the foundations. You're giving to organizations that matter for you. 
you're building a business or a project that you love, investing into and for my family or kids, or investing into things that interest you. So that could be shares. So basically, it just allows you to tick the things that you know you're nailing, and it'll just expose some other things to prompt you that, oh, maybe I need to do that. And then at the bottom, you can free text what areas need improvement. And I wrote, I need another Lexus ASAP. No, you don't. No, I don't. So, if you want to grab the My Money Journal, it comes with a bookmark. It's pretty cool. So it's a good quote. Yeah. So, the quote on the bookmark is, don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. You know, every economist says that. So, it's just, again, another way that you can support the podcast this year. And the start of the year is a great time to get the stuff out of your head. Or if you're listening to this and it's September, uh, if you're listening... If you're a new listen, new listener at the moment, you're listening to an episode from January. Mm. This is a good journal if you've got a new season in your life that you want clarity for. Yeah, and it's not date driven, so no. it'll, it won't get old, will yeah. it? You just and you can to refer. Uh, you can scan the QR code at the front page. Takes you to an interactive website where it's got downloadable other crap and templates and all that that you know, Jess Pearson and Jessica House they've put together. They've put so much work into this, so thank you, ladies. And it gives you feedback on the journal because what I want to do is have a secondary journal, uh, a secondary journal that is more for an evergreen thing where this is get your thoughts out, get some clarity, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. And then we might do something else. But Good idea. thank you so much for your support, everybody. Let's get into this. Let's do it. Jen L. Drefok asks... I'm not math-minded. Will I ever get a good grasp on money issues? Grasp. <laughs> grasp. I'm, I, I must be math-minded if I'm talking about graphs. No, well, it's, it's funny, John, because realistically, that could be me asking the question 15 years ago. Mm. So, what would you say to somebody about they're not, you know, they don't have a PhD in mathematics or they're not necessarily, yeah. quote-unquote, book smart? How can you get ahead? I think, Maths and money are are very different. Like I, I've met a lot of mathematicians, smart people that uh, are, are mathematical minded that haven't got a great awareness of of money in general. So I think it's yeah, don't uh, don't put them in the same box, Jen. Would be my first thought. Getting a good grasp on things to me just commands time spent in it and and an interest taken in it. If you've got an interest or a passion around something or you want to get better at something, then you've just got to spend the time to to put into it. Yeah, and I would say, you know, just reflecting back, you know, when I was face-to-face advising in my practice, I would sit down with a lot of intelligent and smart people. Like once I dealt with a lawyer, you know, lawyers are smart, dollars $400,000 income, you'd say they'd be good at maths because they're, you know, book smart, they're intelligent, but they had a 50 grand credit card that they couldn't shake. Now, what that says to me is it's actually got nothing to do with how smart you are. It's all about the behaviors. Correct. And it'd be the same by saying, how do I lose weight and get fit if I don't understand, if I'm not a dietitian or if I'm not an exercise physiologist or or something something like that? Well, Step back and just look at the concepts and the behaviors. Yeah. Eat less crap. Eat less sugar. Move your ass. Like, yeah. Yeah. they're the types of things. Uh, because for me, I'm actually not that great at maths. Mm. In my role as a financial advisor, 
it was more of a project manager role. Clients had goals, dreams, aspirations, yeah. and we just worked back and project manage those things. We had tools on the computer. So I would take all the pressure off yourself, Jen, to totally. need to worry mm. and, you know, get plugged in, you know, get the Glenn James spending plan. We're just about to reshoot that and add a whole heap of stuff mm. uh, and just focus on the behaviors. Yeah, action steps. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, that's a good one. Mm. Dominique Adams says, a long-term goal of mine is to own three investment properties. What would the steps be? one should take to achieve this goal that's a banging question mm. john the property guy what are you saying to dominique yeah well first of all what is that time frame so long term i i'd say 10 years plus generically speaking so three investment properties first question i'd be asking is why what why three properties for me it used to be properties related to but now it's overall wealth mm. so looking at well what are the what do you want those three properties to do for you uh, but I think a common mistake people make is they don't think about maybe their second or third acquisition when buying their first so the first one really sets you up for those next two if you if you're not looking past it I think you've really got to spend some time doing that to, to make sure that that one is an example of that might be uh, well I'm on a 80 grand a year and my servicing's okay but it's not fantastic your, your first property might be more geared towards cash flow than growth and then you've got the ability to continue to serve or service property um, so that'd be a few things that I would work on is understand what time frame you want it and understand why you want three properties and what they're going to do for you because they're just a tool really for, for wealth creation in most people's um, lives. And then, yeah, looking at what that first strategy is going to be. It's funny, John. I'm already loving this new format of the show because it's like we're getting back to just personal finance stuff. Love it. And this it's is been so a while, fun. isn't it? Yeah. And you just, we're growing and evolving with the yeah. group and we just want to take you with us on this journey. Uh, but I would say a couple of things here. I look back at different clients that I met over the years and they're like, we've got three kids, we want to buy three investment properties and then they can have one property each, which noble intent, love that. But if that was my parents, I'd be like, stuff me, stuff the kids, you guys build your own wealth and if you want to give me something down the track, awesome. So, you got to really work out why the three, what does that mean? And it could be if I own three properties and I'm getting $500 a week rent and I own the properties, I can live off $1,500 a week. Yeah. You know, I'm being bush maths, yeah. you know, last question, not math minded. Like that's <laughs> yeah, awesome, great intent, great focus. But I would actually go, well, at the moment, a long-term goal is to own three properties. I will make the assumption that Dominique doesn't own any properties at the moment. Mm. Let's just focus on buying one property well. Let's- yeah. Educate, whether it's the Solvair Online Academy that you run, John, mm. where you know there's that 12, 16 videos and you'll yeah. help people unpack this property vibe and get some clear goals. But I'm not worried about the third property now. I need to worry about buying the first one well and strategically yeah. and making sure I've got a good quality mortgage broker in my corner, a good property, uh, a good 
quality property person who might be able to bounce some strategy off like yourself uh, and let's just do the first one well. Yeah, absolutely. And and if we went into strategy just for 30 seconds, we say- Take 60 seconds. All right, I'll do that. Three properties, 500K each in today's dollars. Um, If I'm putting in a 10% deposit plus stamps, I'll need about 70K, 75K each property. So in relation to timeframes, Dominic, how quickly can I get my 75K uh, for three of those properties? And then you can work, work out your timeframes. If you know your savings goal, I'm saving 30 grand a year, great. There's two and a half years that you're going to get your next deposit, which in turn gives you about 10 years that you might be able to um, achieve that goal. But again, coming back to why you want three properties. Okay, so let me just unpick that. So you're making the assumption we the assumption we buy the first property, we keep saving to get a deposit for the second property. Yeah. And not, and so what, I guess what I'm saying is we're not banking on equity to build this house of cards. That's another episode in itself. Okay. And I'll just quickly give a reply to that. Yeah. I had a client um, last week got a valuation on a property they bought last year. They're getting the equity out of that to buy their next property. Fantastic result. 12 months, less than 12 months they've, they've achieved that. Fist pumping. But as I said to him at the start, we're not relying on the equity. If it comes along, fantastic. We'll take it. But our savings is actually, we can control that. We can't control the equity. But what we can do, if we do have a plan to buy properties, we absolutely have to buy well. Like I live at Blue Bay, you live at Toowoom Bay, you're a bit richer than me. No. Um, but- what it would be really bad if I just went, I want three properties in Blue Bay ASAP because there's a whole heap of risk issues there. Mm. So I guess what I'm saying is if it's three investment properties, you have to buy well regardless. Correct. And what are the yeah. three things to remind any new listeners? And if you are new to the podcast this year, welcome. Love uh, love the fact that you've let us in your ears. We really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, jump in the Facebook group, jump on the Instagram, get involved. But what are the three things that you can do to get value out of a property? Yeah, that's right. What are them? What do you want me to yeah, tell? Yeah, give away the gold. The, tell right. the new listeners. Well, you've got to look at I can add value. Yep. I can buy at discount and I can get capital growth. So you look at those three and say, which ones are more in my control than out of my control? Most people go for capital growth, don't they? So what's in my control? Well, a discount is followed closely by an add value. I can determine how much I spend on it, hopefully get the result that way, and then capital growth. Faz Azir asks, what's the best way to stay disciplined with money? I feel the more money I make, the more I spend, and it's almost impossible to save. Oh, you're speaking my language. <laughs> I think the I have the answer, which is I'm not prioritizing it enough and letting poor impulse decisions dictate. Well, you can go first. I, I can speak <laughs> with authority on this coming from somebody who's not disciplined by nature, who's a loose spender, who's um, barely got his life together at the best of times. <laughs> it, it comes down to a couple of things. For me is to have a nailed money system and that for me in my life, I have a cash hub that all my money goes into and then all my fixed annual bills and fixed monthly bills automatically go out of that cash hub. And then each week, I transfer an amount of money over to a different account which sits on my uh, 
a different bank and a different account that, sorry, you've phone vibration through me. <laughs> Turn your bloody phone off, John. Um, that, so I quarantined Edit my money. that out, no. I'll leave it in. <laughs> Stuff you. Um, <laughs> so what I'm saying is we've got a, a cash hub where all your income goes into, mm-hmm. your bills come out of. For me, it's with St. George. That's my mortgage offset account. Yeah. I transfer an amount per week, $500 over to a different account, which is with my up bank. And that's my blow money. That's the only card in my Apple Pay. That's the only card in my wallet. That's the only banking app on my phone. So, what I'm doing, I've moved to Glenn Gets Paid weekly, $500 from Glenn Incorporated, which is the the other system. And so, that does one thing. For the spenders like us, Faz, and I presume you're a spender, is it actually caps us and we yeah. bring it right down. All my, all I need to do this week is make sure I don't spend more than $500 on crap. Mm. And then, so that's number one. And the Glenn James spending plan, and thank you to everybody who's purchased that and support the podcast to do that. We really do appreciate that. The next thing is you need to have some good goals in your mm. life because what happens with a goal uh, if you are saving, I'll make a number up, $3,000 because next year in 2022, you want to go overseas. When you go and there's an impulse purchase, you can go front of mind, do I pay for this $110 pair of jeans or nah, it's a want, not a need. I'm going to put that $110 towards my goal. So, it's this multifaceted discipline thing. Uh, and I think what you said with the poor impulse decisions you're not prioritizing enough, as you said. You know the answer, but maybe you just need some tools in setting up a spending plan to help you do that. Yeah, yeah. In your personal life, John, how have you gone about capping this lifestyle inflation? Yeah, look, I, I running a business has always been a bit of blurred line there. That, shouldn't be. That I know there shouldn't be, yeah. and um, you've got to practice what you preach, but sometimes that goes out the window. But what I would say, so we're all human, right? Yeah. What I would say to that on top of what you've mentioned there is I think if you put away what you want to save first and then you've got the rest to live off, that's a great starting point. I think a lot of people try to save last, don't they, as they're uh, out of their bucket of funds. But have your savings in a different account, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, when I say put away, <laughs> yeah. I mean bugger it off so yeah. you can't see it. Totally. <laughs> but then, so I'm presuming, Faz, that the, the fact that you say you're, you're making more money the more I spend is uh, you're either getting con- continual pay rises or you're a business owner. Either way, you've lived on that previous amount. So the extra amount that comes in should be savings. You, you've, you're living quite well beforehand. So we could carve that piece off and maybe reward a little bit. Yeah. And that's what I, I want to just jump back in there because I said to John, like it shouldn't be a difference when you're self-employed. Because whether you're self-employed or not, we've all got personal expenses, be it the food we eat at home, entertainment with the family or your friends, they're not business expenses. So, that's why your business accounts have to be separate to your personal. And on the lifestyle inflation thing, for me, the last few years, it basically has maybe two years ago, it went up from $400 blow money a week to 500 So, I've really capped in my own life the lifestyle inflation because you get done, like people end up in all this credit card debt because they get done on the death by a thousand cuts. Yes. So, just having a 
500 bucks a week for me. It used to be $400 a week for fuel, food, entertainment, going out, groceries, blow money. Yeah. I've, as my income has grown, I have not spent more than that much every week. So, mm. I'm more worried about the death by a thousand cuts that I need to watch because that's what gets us undone. Yeah. No, I like that. And, and uh, to all of you out there, if you are transitioning from single Glenn to couple or to planning to have kids, that transition is also critical because you've got your $500 a week. Now enter a, uh, a partner or a dependent, all of a sudden we've got to raise that 500 to X amount. But then the variables of two people or three people also put another spanner in the works. So you've just got to move the, the goalpost a little, but still keep that theme that you mentioned. Yeah, that's right. So our structure should be the same, but we always have to do an audit yeah. of our, exp- like, yeah, absolutely. Mm. If, if there's a major life change yeah. where you're now commuting, driving an extra half hour a week to work, yeah, yeah, your blow account might need an extra $40. Yeah. So something's got to give and change. We'll yeah. take a quick break and be back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey everyone, you might not have heard, we've got a podcast called My Millennial Health. Jess, what are we covering? So many things, Glenn. We're talking food, nutrition, movement, mindset, sleep, so much more. My Millennial Health is your one-stop shop for anything to do with your health and well-being. Love that. And the best news, everyone, is I'm not on it because I've got no freaking idea about health. So make sure you subscribe to My Millennial Health wherever you're listening to this podcast. And I can't wait for you guys to see what My Millennial Health has installed. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks. All right, we are back, baby. Matt Trapp says, I love that name, Matt Trapp. I'm 25 working in local government as an engineer and looking to purchase my first property. Would banks or lenders be adverse to lending to someone following uh, the bushfires that destroyed homes in the area that I want to buy in? Good question, Matt. Uh, look, congratulations on being in a position to purchase uh, purchase your first home. I think depending on what type of property, I'm going to answer this first, by the way. Uh, in terms we need a mortgage broker. We need a mortgage broker. Is anyone in the lounge room? Nigel, if you're in the lounge room, can you come in? <laughs> we, am I continuing? Or? <laughs> Sit down, Nigel. Um Grab your microphone. Nigel's a mortgage broker who, oh, I can't, I can't add this mic in. We, we can't add the mic in due to our limitations, but. So, he's sitting here, he's so getting some free I'll air. I'll just quickly hand him my mic Righto. to answer. So, the question, Nigel, were you listening out in the green room, aka my lounge room? No? No. Um, I'm 25, I work in local government. He wants to purchase his first home. Would banks or lenders be adverse to lending to somebody following the bushfires, particularly in a certain area? So, for example, that's you're about to buy in a, an area that you know last year was ravaged, or you know the last two years or five years, it's now a, a bush zone. 
are banks or lenders saying we're not lending as much or is it more of a, a council zoning thing that, well, you need to now have a water tank and all this, which adds to the purchase price and- Double glazing. All that like, so just as a, maybe just as a quick, what do banks have to say about this? And then we can talk to strategy with John. Thanks, Glenn. It comes down to, I guess, the individual property and what the valuer says in regards to the risk rating. So like one property could be different to another in the, in the same suburb. So the valuer will look at that and make an assessment, whether it's got, whether it's bushfire or flooding zoning or anything like that. Generally, if it's the, the graded between one and five risk rating, one is it's, it's a good property. Um, five is, you know, there's issues with it. And there can be some restrictions around like LVRs. So something like that, the bank might come back and say, look, we can lend 80% on that pr- property but not 95 kind of thing. So it's, but it does come down to an individual case by case property. It's not just that suburbs, you know, blacked out. So you're looking, you, you, the first question you'd ask is what postcodes it in? Tell, tell the bank and the bank would come back with that's their assessment of this particular postcode because some of those are regional locations uh, and then looking at the, the actual address and how that's affected and how the banks read that. Is that basically what you're saying? Yeah, for yeah. sure, exactly, yeah. You haven't got a mic, so you can't talk. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So <laughs> one big thing for um, for for Matt is if you are buying in those uh, bushfire ravaged zones, the insurances that might have doubled overnight, or if they weren't, or if they were a bushfire zone before, then probably not much changes. But if they are all of a sudden become a bushfire zone because of that, which a lot of Victoria has, then it it'll definitely change your policy. Yeah. So I think. It's just important to know, Matt, uh, that if you are ready to look for your first home, you know, reach out. We can refer you to one of our mortgage brokers if you don't have a mortgage broker. So, Nigel here is on our preferred panel of mortgage brokers and he's actually coming to have a coffee with John and I right after this episode. So, he was here early. So, I thought we'd ambush him. Uh, But thanks, Nigel. But yeah, not really a showstopper, but it could be that, look, if you want to buy in that area, look, you're going to need more of a deposit. Yeah, and, and banks, or not so much banks, but definitely councils look at bell ratings, don't they? So the higher the bell rating, the more probable of a bushfire occurring. But to turn that up a notch, if it's a pre-existing property, it might only be a bank issue with LVR, but if it's a new property, you need to spend more money on all the crap. Yes, which, which I was is about a- to uh, allude to. <laughs> I love when we're in sync, baby. (laughs) So, yeah, building from scratch, totally different conversation. Existing home, yeah, there may be a few alterations, but definitely check the insurance. So, there you go. So, Matt, if you need a mortgage broker and you don't have one, sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help and we can get you connected. Yeah. All right. It's been fun. Thank you for that, John. I I really like the new vibe of the new episodes. Yeah. Well, it's a new year, so it's a bit exciting, isn't it? Yeah. And, Nige, thanks for popping in and letting uh, us ambush you to jump on a quick podcast episode. Good, Nige. All right. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. 
If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.